This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 324 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Cowboys of color. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are EasySignsOnline.com, Sparkle and Boom, and Riding Warehouse. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. Bring you the news through hell, hot water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I'm Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's Halloween. Ho, ho, ho. That's a wrong uh-huh. holiday. Uh, boo, boo, boo is what you Boo, boo, say. boo. Yeah. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. I'll give you a boo, boo. <laughs> you already got a boo, boo. You're still recovering for your broken arm. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I've already fast forwarded to the next holiday. <laughs> Two holidays ahead, in fact. <laughs> so now tell us, uh, do you get uh, trick-or-treaters or anything out at where you live? No, I no? don't get trainers. I get like one. I it's we're so spread out down here. You know, there's yeah. there aren't. This, I mean, I used to live in a neighborhood that had. I swear to you, this is not even an exaggeration. We had 19 children under the age of 12 in a two block area. 19. Granted, one family had like five kids, but still. And so everybody used to come to our neighborhood. We would have to buy ice. Honest again, not exaggerating, at least $100 worth of candy every year to not be shamed, to not be that house that ran out of candy. And you weren't the ones giving away apples and stuff, were you? No, yeah, I would get the good stuff because I wanted to be like the cool mom. <laughs> I was like, we can't be getting like Necco wafers. Yeah, exactly. give out Snickers and Reese's, you know. Oh, uh, my favorite was not the chocolate that was those little, what are they called? The little sweet things, the little discs that come in the little package and they were so sour and this little sour things. What are they? Sweet called? tarts? Yes. The little tiny yeah. ones in the packages. <gasps> I could eat a thousand of those. I know. And then there'd be there'd be that like little old couple who would give you five cents, five yes. pennies. Yes. And you're supposed to like be all excited about it because it was money. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I wanted to, you know, ask you something. And well, first we're gonna talk about what's coming up at today's show. We have a special, very special treat for you. And that is, we have Russell Smith, who's known as Mr. Network. He's a radio guy and a cowboy and a rider from Texas. And his friend, Cleo Hearn, who is the founder of Cowboys of Color Rodeo. And he, uh, he is quite a character. And you're going to see what we mean when we have that interview for you later. We also have Kat coming on. She is from Eat Your Tart Out. And, of course, we're talking Halloween. And she's talking. She did a blog post on Eat Your Tart Out about what to do with leftover candy. Like there is any. But, you know, the crappy stuff you don't want to eat. Um, and she's There is gonna... no crappy <laughs> stuff you don't want to eat. Not, if it has chocolate on it, no, there isn't. In my well, what happens is when you, you eat the good stuff, right? So you, you give your kid, like, 12 pieces out of the 120 they get. And you're like, here's your allotment of candy. And then you hide the good stuff. You eat all of that. And then you become very quickly addicted to the sugar high. That's right. <laughs> okay. So then the 48 hours following your binge, you're so addicted to the sugar that the bad stuff looks just as good as the it good tastes stuff. good. <laughs> sort yeah. of like at Easter when they used to get those Easter bunnies and the chocolate tastes like crap, but you ate it anyway. <laughs> <'cause>... <laughs> like I'll even dig into the Tootsie Rolls, you know, like a week later, they're all really, really hard and they're totally going to require dental work, but... You got to because you're hooked. Well, we're going to talk to her about what you can do with leftover candy. And also, we have Coach Jen stopping by with a review of the Huntley Half Chaps. So she's stopping by with those uh, with that review also. But first, I wanted to ask you. So now, uh, you know, Halloween's become such a big thing now. And everybody in the audience knows I'm not such a big Halloween guy. But, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, do you believe in ghosts? And have you ever had an experience with a ghost? Me, personally? Yeah. Um, 
Yes, I've had experience with ghosts. Okay, you have to tell us about it. I'll tell you about mine. You tell me about yours. Okay. When I was a young girl, I was, um, I, it was a thunderstormy, rainy night. And uh, I was in my bed and I was supposed to be sleeping, but I wasn't because I had just gotten a brand new turtle and I was really excited. His name was Mr. Purple Turtle. And I was up talking to him. I, I don't know, maybe I was seven, six or seven. And um, we had two cats at the time, Tigger and Morris. They were long-haired orange cat and a long-haired tabby cat. And so we were all in my room having a good time, and it was thundering out, and it was raining. And um, I said, you know, Mr. Purple Turtle, I have to put you to sleep. It's time for me to go to bed. And I laid down. And so his his tank was up against the wall. I laid down, um, and I rolled over to the other side which had me then facing the doorway to my bedroom and standing in the doorway was a young man and he was clearly in the United States Navy. But I could see right through him, like right through him. And he was wet. There was like water. He was dripping. And my first thought was, oh, mommy's going to get mad at you because you're getting water all over the floor. And then, you know, it took me about a minute, half a minute maybe, to realize that there was a strange man in my room. And uh, I called out for my mother. And they were sleeping. My mom and dad were sleeping. and Or they were in the room and they had the TV on. They didn't hear me. And uh, I finally got scared enough to get up. And once I stood up and got out of my bed, he disappeared. But... Um, so I ran into my parents' room and I was like, there was a man in the house. There's a man in the house. And of course they freaked out and it was a small apartment that we lived in. They looked everywhere, but he was gone and I saw him twice. So I actually saw him. Um, and then I turned away because I was like, all right, I know Mr. Purple Turtle's real. Let me look at Mr. Purple Turtle. I looked away and then I looked back and he was still there. Now, did you ever find out uh, anything about why why a sailor or why that particular ghost appeared at that particular spot? Nope. No? I should have. I should have. And then when I was older, I was in my 20s, um, I had some experiences at my dad's house uh, that, like water faucets turning on and off by themselves, the shower turning on by itself, um, strange things that would happen with my cat, you know, like. She would be outside and she was an indoor cat and there's no way for her to get out. Like doors would be open. You'd shut the front door and then like 20 minutes later, the front door would be open. So kind of strange things like that would happen a lot. Huh. Interesting. That's it. That's it. The house I'm in now, despite it being 250 years old, is totally clean. There's nothing in here. Huh. Yeah, we had, uh, I, I think I've told this story, but it was a long time ago. On uh, We had our big farm in Pennsylvania, and about, it was a big house. I mean, it had 20 rooms in it. And it was, it, what we found out is the main old part of the farmhouse that had been there way, way back uh, in the beginning of the 1800s was a inn. It was a travel inn because the road that went by it just happened to be uh, between two points that people would stop and stay and eat. You know, back then, they basically, there weren't formal restaurants. There were these little inns, and you could stop and get a meal and stay and that kind of thing. So uh, we found out it was one of those. Well, one of the things that, that everybody, we, even when we had our tax shop in this building, our employees all experienced the ghost. We called her Agnes. I don't know why we picked Agnes, but we did. And you would experience Agnes uh, because you would walk into an area of the house, and it would be about a five-square-foot area. You would walk into that area, and you would get an overwhelming smell of c- cookies baking. And it would become very cold in that one spot. And there was this overwhelming smell of cookies baking. <laughs> 
you know, we thought we were crazy because it would happen at random parts in the house. It didn't matter. It wasn't always in the kitchen. It was wherever, you know, it just was weird. It was very random. Not every day, but, you know, probably once a week, one of us would run into Agnes. And we, <laughs> we thought the smell, we said, well, that smell has to come someplace. We had, it was in the summertime at the, when we first started noticing her, we had the plumbing plumbers come out to check the air conditioning system. We had our vents checked. We had them cleaned. We thought for sure it had something to do with that yeah nope kept happening and then the employees that we had several of them that worked for us at the house uh started running into agnes and freaked a couple of them out because they said <laughs> they said they would say i was in that part of the store and I, it just smelled like and it was really an overwhelming overpowering smell of cookies and they said it smelled like cookies and then i walked three feet away and it was gone and it was really cold and they would all tell the same story and we would tell them oh that's agnes and uh all of them became familiar with agnes and then when they'd have an agnes experience they'd come in and say oh agnes is here agnes is over there and it just became a thing that you know everybody accepted that agnes was in the house uh so when we sold the house we did not put that on the on the seller's uh, agreement so <laughs> Oops. Are you required well, to s- disclose ghosts? Because we weren't sure. And uh, I think only bad ones. <laughs> yeah, this one was good. I mean, she was baking cookies. I know. Well, I mean, the only thing that's bad about it is you get hungry for cookies yes, and you right. got nothing. Right. You're just that's getting right. rooked. But nah, you don't need to disclose that. <laughs> I wonder if she's still baking in that house. And we figured Aww. it probably had something to do with, you know, all the way back to when it was a roadhouse like that. Uh, yeah. So you anyway. know, actually, actually, my grandparents had a boarding house in upstate New York that was used for the GIs, um, the soldiers who would come home for on R&R from the war. And there was a pizza place. Um, but the pizza place was across the street. And I remember the the smell of pizza was everywhere all the time, <laughs> even after the pizza place closed down. Like they did, it turned into like a bar or something. Like years and years later, and um, even when nobody was cooking pizza, I remember the smell of pizza everywhere. I wonder because if that for was you anything. that location represented the smell of pizza. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's probably one yeah. of those those um, memory yeah, sense that's sensory right. it memories. Was. Yeah, yeah. 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 No ghosts, just pizza. <laughs> well, there's our ghost stories. I'm sure that all of our listeners have their own. And there's some of them that have now said, those two are just nuts. Yeah, we're nuts. We're totally nuts. <laughs> and we know that, so you don't have to write and tell us because we're already aware. We know. Mr. Yes. Purple Turtle knew. <laughs> Let's go uh, right now to our first guest, Kat from Eat Your Tart Out, on what to do with your leftover Halloween candy. Well, welcome back, Kat. Well, hey, thanks for having me. So is Halloween a big deal for you? I think it's the biggest deal for me. Really? I, oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I start planning probably the day after Halloween, trying to get ideas, what I didn't like this year, what I like this year, you know, ideas I'm going to steal from my decorations for next year. All I, yeah, it's a little bit crazy. So <laughs> That's funny. I was never a Halloween person, but boy, I'm, I'm in the minority now. Really? Uh, well, yeah, because look at everybody's into Halloween anymore. You know, it used to be, you know, when I was growing up, it was just a trick-or-treat and there was nothing else. There were no haunted houses or any of that stuff. And it really wasn't a big deal. It was a time to go get candy and you had to put a costume on to do it. Right. Uh, and now it's become, ex- and there were no Halloween parties, you know, it just, it just has totally transformed into this, this uh, uh, phenomenon. Yeah, and what I've noticed as like as far as my childhood goes to now is is that when I do take some kids trick or treating, they it's almost not like us. We had to work. You had to walk to the different neighborhoods. Your parents would be there, probably talking with other parents, but you had to do the heavy lifting. Whereas nowadays, like especially in my area, last year I took one of our cousins out trick or treating, and it's like, nope, we drive to different neighborhoods. I'm like, seriously? And then the parking gets ridiculous. I'm like, this is too much to handle. So and you know, and it's hard too because I do notice locally where we're living, at least, 
they had these safe trick-or-treat nights where they had the cops kind of out patrolling and things like that, you know, to avoid different scares because there's just, there's so much to worry about nowadays for kids and all that kind of stuff. So it's changed a lot since I was young. And I'm sure since, you know, you were in your young years. Yeah, and I grew up in a small town, so yeah. we could just walk all over town. I mean, we didn't have to be driven anywhere. And it was safe to walk all over town then, too. Right. Uh, that was the other thing. And even when we were little, little kids, we used to walk around by ourselves. So, I mean, uh, you know... Mom and I don't ever remember mom and dad walking along. Yeah. Uh, now I always had older brothers that would would go along too. But you would just go house to house, and then it was different too than I think it is now. In that in that day, the people tried to guess who you were. Yes, so, because everybody knew each other, so they would try to. Which I think now is that's kind of gone away. It's oh how here's you know how cute here take a piece of candy. Yeah. Um, whereas then they used to try and guess who you were. And which is funny, when you go to Halloween parties and things like that nowadays, the punny kind of fun costumes that people have to guess is now really in. Right, right, exactly. So it's kind of flip things, but I, I love Halloween. So yeah, uh, we had our yard decorated the 1st of September. My husband was, you know, kind of hanging his head, not wanting everybody to know about it. But yeah, <laughs> Are you one of those that leaves the Christmas decorations up till February or, till February or March? His family does that. I don't agree with that. It's usually, you know, sometime in January we take them down. That, you know, enough's it's enough. time. <laughs> yeah. When when people start driving by and going, oh, they haven't taken them down yet, then you know. You know, it's right. the, Now, we're going to talk about what to do with leftover candy today, but I wanted to ask you, now, when we were growing up, and I was thinking about this the other day, the bad things to get when you went to the door, you know, when you were a kid, obviously was an apple or any kind of fruit. That was just awful. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing that was big back then was was people would make these popcorn balls. Oh, my gosh. Those are terrible. Oh, I know. <laughs> We used to use them to throw at each other. But uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, popcorn balls were ba- real big back then because that, I, I don't know why, but it was. And they used to wrap them in, in uh, plastic wrap. Yes. So you used to get this plastic wrap popcorn well, yeah, ball. Nowadays Nobody ever ate. No homemade <laughs> treats. Like that's an absolute no-no unless you know the family really well. So that's kind of like on the outs. But now they have these like packaged... I don't know what to call them, just, you know, snacks and all this other stuff that isn't candy. And it's, it's basically like, a rice cake. If, you yeah, know, you're done a with, rice yeah, cake yeah. or like trail mix <laughs> or pretzels. I'm like, seriously, like I can understand. You get overloaded with sugar. You need a little salt, something to kind of break up the sweet pattern. But or the candy. But you have that at home. Mom always has chips and pretzels. Oh, absolutely. She doesn't have chocolate. So. <laughs> or the thing I don't understand, which also weighs your trick-or-treat bag down immensely, is the cans of soda. Oh, really? They hand those out? Oh, yeah. They've even got little Halloween, like little mummies and Frankensteins and things like that. And really? Oh, yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's See, been a long I'm time. Up on this Halloween. I know you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> I go in every store and I'm like, all right, what's new? And that's kind of how this whole like blog post got started is that for me, I don't really have a tremendous amount of kids in our you know, immediate family or area that have that go trick-or-treating. Because nowadays, it doesn't seem like you could come home. Like, we used to be able to come home with two pillowcases yes. full of candy. Yes, it would last nowadays, you until about Easter. Right, yes. right. And nowadays, it's just not that way. But for me, and as kind of a young adult, I go into the store and I'm like, all right, November 1st, they're going to have the clearance out. What can I get and what can I do with them? And Or I just say, okay, I can't, I've got to give in and I've got to buy such and such a thing. And that's what I end up doing is, you know, I'll get a bag of candy and then I'm like, all right, what can I do with them? And this whole list is basically just the things you can do with leftover candy. And it's not just for Halloween. It's for Easter, Valentine's Day, or even Christmas when you get the leftovers that, you know, are always going to be there and much cheaper. All right. Tell Give us some ideas. Okay. So the overall list is basically you can freeze them. You can bake them. You can melt them. You can sprinkle them. You can pair them. You can sauce them, mix them, or infuse them, which sounds like a crazy amount. And it is. But it gives you ideas of basically what to do. Like, there's certain chocolates, like the kind of Cadbury cream eggs that now have spilled over into Halloween, which is kind of like got a green center or something else for like Christmas, or you can do Butterfingers. Most of the chocolates are really good for freezing. Um, They're not the best quality chocolate, which is why you can freeze them. Um, But they're great because you can pop them out at any time and just keep them for later, or you can add them into milkshakes or ice cream or use them in baking, which is what I usually do with them. So the so. better the quality of chocolate, the, the less freezable it is? 
Usually, yes, because what happens is um, the moisture content is a little bit different and they're not as stabilized. So most of your kind of conventional candy, if you will, the stuff you see in most stores is not going to be, it's not, you're going to see. Snickers and yeah. M&Ms and all that They're stuff. meant yeah. to be shelf stable. And that's something that you'll notice, like you can leave them out in the heat a little bit longer than you can like a really good quality chocolate bar. Whereas if you put a good quality chocolate bar in the freezer, you tend to get what's called a bloom on it. And it looks almost like mold. It's nothing wrong, but it just changes the texture of the chocolate right. a little bit. Right. Um, whereas these candies don't seem to be affected by them. So it's, there's nothing wrong with them. Trust me, I eat them all the time, but I, you know, I have my good quality chocolate for when I just want a little bit or this stuff to just go crazy with and have fun baking. But, so. All right, cool. So, but one of my favorite, so you can basically go through the list on the blog. It's very, you know, self-explanatory, but there's some ideas you might say, oh, I can do, take like a Reese's cup and put it on a s'more. Like, that sounds delicious. Peanut butter, chocolate, marshmallow, graham cracker. Like, how can you go wrong with that? Um, I'll take it on the little stick might be a problem. Yeah, yeah. So you just got to get your marshmallow really hot and then smush it and then you're all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have seen people try and roast them, and I don't think it ever goes well. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my favorite things that I found recently to do with it, and I'm not a big drinker, but it's a great Christmas gift. So if you can stock up on things like maybe jelly beans, which they do have the Halloween-themed ones, or Skittles, Airheads, Laffy Taffy, those kind of sweet, maybe sour candies, um, you can infuse them in vodka. And you basically just let them hang out in the vodka for however many days. And you can taste it as you go along, obviously. That's a very important step. <laughs> and then you just basically package them up in like a mason jar and you give them out for Christmas gifts. So you actually take them back out of the vodka? Yes. Uh, yes, you do. I, was, yeah. I, was, I thought you might just give the whole bottle with them in there. Well, you I, could do that. But <laughs> I think these candies, after a while, the... Alcohol, and you can do this with any alcohol, but vodka is a really good kind of base alcohol to do this with. Um, what happens is, is they start to z dissolve, and you don't want too potent of a flavor. You want this to be a nice kind of sippable drink, so that's why you do taste it. Um, and there's so many instructions on how to do it, but I just thought that was kind of a hmm. fun. They infuse vodka with anything. Oh my gosh! It's one of those. It's one of those alcohols that uh, like certain kinds of moonshine. You see now when you go to Tennessee and you go up into any of the stores down there that sell moonshine. Yep. It, it's all infused now. It's all flavored moonshine. Oh yeah. It, it's, it, it, it used to be straight up moonshine was all you can get. Now you cherry and raspberry and. And it is a lot of fun. I mean, we actually just came back from Tennessee a couple months ago, and we went on the little moonshine tours and stuff like that, and. You know, I'd sniff and taste just small bits, but it's amazing the stuff they're coming up with, like apple pie. It, mm -hmm. it was just amazing. And then you mix and match, and it's crazy. But this is a way to do it at home. I just loved it because you're coming up on Christmas. You know, what better way? You get the discounted candy. A lot of times people aren't even thinking of Smarties or Sweet Tarts as being good candies. But when you infuse them in vodka, it's just amazing. And then you can say, look, I made this awesome gift for you for Christmas, and it doesn't cost you barely anything. So. I love it. And you can find it at eatyourtartout.com is where you go. The article is What to Do with Leftover Candy. And you can take a look at that. There's uh, more details there. And also you did uh, another fun one uh, with the Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend. You made Breeders' Cup cookies, which looked really good. Uh, you know, I thought that was a great idea. And then the other thing I thought uh, was, was really cool were the, and I know this is going to sound silly, but I thought it was great, were the uh, edible coffee cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just... That's a great idea. And nowadays in food, everybody's trying to kind of one-up and create the new thing. And a lot of creating the new thing means combining two of something. And one coffee company out in California ended up taking the bottoms of an ice cream cone, dipping them in chocolate, and then putting coffee shots in them, which is like, that's pretty awesome. Like, I want to be able to eat my coffee cup. Yeah, that's like a mocha, right? You're just yeah. ending up with a mocha that you eat your cup. Exactly. <laughs> you can't idea. go wrong with it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Kat. Thank you. You guys have a great day. EatYourTartOut.com. Don't forget, tart is spelled T-A-R-T-E. This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England-style farm signs, their most popular line of signs. 
New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required. No wood to rot and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free, no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And the holidays are right around the corner, so it's a terrific gift idea. I can't think of a better one. Visit EasySignsOnline.com. Well, we have two fascinating guests coming up next. Uh, They are both of African-American descent. Russell Smith is a radio personality and a host and an MC. They call him Mr. Network. He has a couple of radio shows. He does not blog talk radio, which is where we do Horses in the Morning. And he is going to come on. He's bringing on a special friend of his uh, by the name of Cleo Hearn, who is, uh, who is the founder of Cowboys of Color Rodeos and also has ha- led a very interesting life. So let's take a listen. Well, we're excited to welcome now two, two new friends that we have made here. Russell Smith, who's also known as Mr. Network. He's a radio guy, so we forgive him for that, and we're going to talk to him anyway. Um, and then we also have Cleo Hearn, who's the founder of Cowboys of Color and has led an amazing life. And we're going to talk to him about uh, several of the things that he, he has done over the years. But, Russell, let's start with you. Uh, welcome, by the way. Well, thank y'all. Thank y'all. I, I was just uh, posting it. It feels awkward being on the other side of the microphone, but hey, I love it. <laughs> With the, hey, H- Helena, make a note that he's never allowed back with that voice. Uh, it makes me, I like, know. Makes me sound like a frog. Um, I know, me too. Yeah, yeah. And I sound like a squeaky bird. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, ratings, man. We'll have them on as often as we need to. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, what's up with the radio show? Tell us about it. Oh man, it it, it actually it, it was a blessing in disguise. We were in uh, Cameron, Texas, at a trail ride, and I was sleeping in the truck. My cousins ended up talking to a guy named Ron Spikes, who's the founder of Waco Four State Trail Ride on Blog Talk. And next thing you know, I said, my cousin talks a lot. He's been in trouble in school for talking. So next thing you know, I got a radio show. I meet up with Cleo and, you know, there's so many untold stories of every nationality in the cowboy way of life. And, you know, it just goes back to Cleo is like the godfather to multicultural rodeos and just to be part of that and be able to get that exposure for those cowboys that may need it for sponsors or just to get further in life or just need that motivation you know, I just took to it, and it's just one of those things that, you know, it's just a blessing, a blessing in disguise. Well, you know, we I had never heard of Cowboys of Color before. I don't know. We, I came across you on Facebook or somewhere like that. And, you know, we've done this show. We've interviewed thousands of guests in the horse world, and, and it's the first time I've heard of it. So I was excited when, when I saw it and wanted to get in touch with you. Um, so, Russell, you have a background. You've been a horse person forever, right? Uh, pretty much. Uh, I started when we were 12. And, you know, my grandpa shoes horses, and then we have a stable where we, you know, get involved in the community, take the horses out, let the kids ride. You know, we do a little bit of play days, and, you know, just we're a well-rounded horse group. We try not to just specialize in one discipline. I've been in Bowie and worked with uh, Steve Cutie, you know, met some Olympic rainers and went and tried to expand my horizon in the training industry, and it's just, it's amazing, man. I love every ounce of it. All quarter horses? Sir? All quarter horses? Oh, no. We do uh, quarter horses, gated horses, all the way from Pasifinos to Tennessee Walkers, Standard Breds. You know, there's not a horse that I haven't encountered or breed. You know, some of those uh, breeds that you don't normally see, I may not have encountered some of those. But, you know, I've worked with just some of the amazing guys, even drivers. And that's one thing that my family pushed is to make sure that you're versatile in whatever industry you're in and you know, the horse market is just full of just amazing people. How did you find, um, when you 
when you sort of when you were a teenager and, and a young man, um, what what were the opportunities competitively for you in the rodeo? Were there plenty of them, or did you find you had to kind of fight your way to to do what you wanted to do? Um, I wouldn't say fight my way. Uh, I was a hyper kid, so I played tennis, basketball, anything that I could move. I played. And when I was 12, my mom, I remember it like it was yesterday, got a phone call and they were like, Dad, he's an amazing student. He does his work, knocks it out. But then he has about an hour in class. We got to find something to channel his energy. And she met a, a guy by the name of Billy Sneed, who was in Colleen. And we went out there and, you know, kind of messed with the horses after school. And I just took to it. And the guy that I called my grandfather pretty much adopted me in there. I just tried to you know, keep his legacy going because, you know, if it wasn't for him, I would not be anywhere where I am with radio or, you know, with horses. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to keep that Taylor name going as well as, you know, pass that on. I've had so many different mentors. Cleo is one of the newest and educated mentors as of right now. It's just a blessing to be part of it. I like, I can hear the energy in your voice and it sounds like, you know, when you have that much energy and passion and a natural curiosity about the world, these opportunities just kind of, they line up for you in the most wonderful ways, don't they? Oh, yes, ma'am. Um, you know, Cleo and, and the Cowboys of Color Rodeo, you know, I've been traveling with them this year all the way to Oklahoma City and we tell people, you know, you don't know what that rodeo is till you're there and, you know, the mesquite finals this past weekend you can't even explain the energy that's in that building and then even the responses that i'm getting on facebook and i just tell people you know i can paint the picture but i can't give you that exact feeling unless you attend one of these cowboys or color rodeos well i'm going to give a compliment to whoever does your marketing because i saw the poster and you had the most beautiful cowgirl in the world uh barrel racer on that poster so that didn't hurt there guys um, yeah, that's all Cleo. That's all Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> Cleo, that was a smart move there, buddy. <laughs> that, that girl has quite a history herself. Does she? Tell us a little bit about yeah. her. Okay. Number one, she's from Oklahoma City. Her aunt and my wife went to college together. She has been a barrel racer, but the thing that most people don't know about her, if you remember the guy that knocked the home run, for the Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series, Joe Carter. Okay, yeah. That is huh? his sister. That's his sister. Oh. This girl, is, she's, a, she's retired. She's in the medical field. And uh, he's just, uh, I'm well, she's from right there. She's known me all my life. And we've known each other through what we do. And I'll get it now. Uh, she's a great person also. She's moved to Dallas now. She doesn't live in Oklahoma City anymore. She moved to Dallas. Well, that was a she, she was a good representative of the of the uh, Cowboys of Color Rodeo. Really did a good job. Cleo, let's uh, before we get into the rodeo and how you got that started, let's talk. Let's go way way back and talk a little bit about the time you were in the military. You had a special honor that you uh, had the opportunity to do, and this would have been back when 62? Yes, 62. 60, 62 is when I got there. Yes, I, let me tell you this. I never wanted to be in the military. I did all I could to stay out of the military <laughs> because I was in the rodeo. I got drafted, uh, and I was the most disappointed person in the world because I wasn't supposed to get drafted. I'd done all the things to keep from getting drafted. <laughs> the cowboys had told me how to go to the doctor, how to do this and how to do this. And when I went to to uh, take my physical, I told my mother, Don't, you know, go ahead and cook what I like because I'll be back and I'm going to enter the rodeo at Colorado Springs. Well, I entered the rodeo at Colorado Springs, but I also, that was the, the military institution that I did my basic training in, so that life was different. I don't know how I got in there, but it was most one of the most wonderful experiences. There's so many things that happened there. Well, just like if I had not been, uh, I got out of the Army 23, 32 days before President Kennedy got killed. I would have been right in the middle of all of that. Huh. Matter of fact, I was in Dallas at a convention rodeo a Friday night before he got killed. 
Wow. So uh, it was just, and it was some some things that happened. And I was stationed right there in Arlington, right outside of Washington D.C. That's where I spent all my time. Don't know how I got picked, and it had something to do with the color of my skin. That's what God. I was going to ask you think. up to that point: Had there been any African Americans in the honor guard at that point? Well, I was one of the first uh, eight African Americans, but there had been an African American in the honor guard before we all got there. And you know, just if, to, if to... I didn't have a job, when I say a job, job for me was number one to raise and any kind of arrivals or anything that the, the honor guards were participating in, or uh, most of the weekdays uh, we were doing funerals in Arlington Cemetery. And you, uh, just to clarify for everybody, too, so Cleo was there doing the funerals for the Honor Guard in Arlington Cemetery, and we've had uh, some people on who are currently doing it, talking about the horses and, and everything that they use there. And, you know, we've talked about that before, but you got out 23 days out of the military before he died. You would have been part of that parade in Washington as part of the, because it was that Honor Guard that then took the casket through That's the city, exactly right? right. Yeah. I was on the number, see, they have three Honor Guard burial teams. At that time, I was on the number one team. And a lot of this, we, we, we forget about it, but a lot of these things that happened to me in the Army happened to me because, number one, I was African-American. Right. Number two, I was an athlete. Number three, I had a, a great uh, history. Being the first African American to go to college on a rodeo scholarship, and all those other things. Being the first African American to go and win a major rodeo, which is in Denver. All of these things happen, and you know you just kind of standing there, and you don't know why you're there. But when you stop and put it all together, there's a reason. Are yeah, you, are... I said when you when anything that we did, like in the army, like on the on 4th of July, I marched in seven parades. We got on a, wow. a bus that morning. In the morning, this bus didn't have had all windows closed off, where you couldn't see it. It had, only thing that was in there was where you hang your clothes up. I had seven different uniforms. We would do one parade, get on the bus, change uniforms, get off the bus, and ride and do a parade and go on down there. The toughest parade was the last one. It was in downtown Washington, D.C. Of course, we were tired anyway. But that cobblestone that you march in or walk on on those streets in Washington, D.C., that's hard to walk on because you got those clickers on your deal and you slide. But we were good. That was We practiced regularly. We'd get up and practice every day. Well, Cleo, let's fast, let's fast forward a little bit to Cowboys of Color. I don't want to run out of time before we talk about the Cowboys of Color rodeos. What are they? Let me they tell you how Cowboys of Color yeah. came up. Yeah. I went to Mesquite. Mesquite had a rodeo every weekend down here. Uh, the, after Texas, the rodeo, it, That's Mesquite, it Texas, for our international listeners. Uh, after after the uh, what, what people don't realize is when I started the rodeo off, see, I'm part Indian, so... When I started rodeo off, we had black rodeos. The first rodeo, one of the first rodeos I put on was a part of was in 1971 in New York. It was the American Black Cowboy Association, and I was a, a part owner of that thing. But I went to Mesquite one night, and one, the week after the week, the first rodeo here in Dallas, and it was called a black rodeo. Well, a white calf rope and his wife came up and said, man, we sure didn't want to come to that rodeo. Well, I said, why didn't he? He said, well, it says black rodeo. I thought you didn't want anybody to have a black people. And the light went on. I said, first of all, I'm not completely black. I got other blood in. And I said, I'm changing the name of that rodeo. There was a time in history that they didn't call, you couldn't use the word black. So right. They called them colored cowboys. So I just changed the name to cow being part Indian. I just changed the name to Cowboys of Color, featuring Indians, Blacks, and Hispanics, and everybody else. That's kind of that's the way it kind of comes out, and that's that's where Cowboys of Color came. And that way, 
You don't, uh, you don't isolate anybody because we all call. I used to tell a guy, he said, well, what about white? I said, white's a color? I said, you get your message. I, I like that. Said, get the three holes out. I said, there's a white three hole in there, so it's cold. So hey, that's Cleo, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt huh? you. But uh, I'll send, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'll send, uh, I did a clip on Vine. I, I, everybody was, that Vine was the new deal. And I had that Michael Jackson uh, song in the background. And I said, you know, you know, the, cowboy co- the Cowboys of Color are only for blacks. And then I skipped over a clip and started clipping a Crayola crown box. And man, the responses <laughs> I got on that hit. And then at the end of it, I said, well, where did you attend kindergarten? And the, the the responses to it have just been phenomenal. So I'll make sure I get that out there. Oh, yeah. great. Well, it, it's been a great thing. It invites everybody to be a part. And the, the part that I came up with this, and I was driving down the road when I came up with the real thing for Cowboys of Color, is let us educate you while we entertain you. Let us tell you the wonderful things that Blacks, Hispanics, and Indians did for the settling of the West that many history books left out. Then I give them my example is everybody knows that Columbus discovered America. Very, very few people know that Estevanico, a black Spaniard, discovered Texas and New Mexico. Chicago was founded by a black man. 25 black Indians found the city of Los Angeles. And I, I mean, I was just, I mean, stunned when I heard that. I was 35 years old before I even knew all of this. And what was really, I said, where in the heck was this information when I was five and six and just starting to school, where I could take pride in it and walk up to, you know, have something to say something good. That's just part of the thing that has helped Cowboys of Color, is being able to educate while we entertain. That's the key to the whole thing. And you'd have to come to a rodeo to just see all of the different things that we do at that rodeo. Russell can tell you, it was probably a very big eye-opener to even Russell. Because he probably just got to the first Cowboys of Color rodeo this year. Is that true, Russell? Uh, yeah, when, we were, when I was younger, uh, we did attend one, but it was nothing like the rodeos now. I think I was about 19. Y'all came to Killeen, Texas, and we... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, do you guys uh, do you guys do everything that uh, rodeos do? You got the uh, bronc riding, and you got the barrel racing, and the roping, and all that. Yes, and plus, (laughs) 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 I'll tell you what, and you don't believe how good it is. The the fast cast at the rodeo this weekend was tied in eight seconds. The barrel racing was done in fifteen and sixteen seconds. So, but you know. Every other contestant you see out there, nobody up there at that rodeo the same color. That's for sure. And even in the stands, you go in the stands and the, the you see a multitude of very different colored people. The music is even different. The music you know what? You know what, Cleo? I think you hit you hit it on the head though. Entertainment is entertainment. It doesn't matter what color anybody is. Uh, That's right. You know, a good comedian, he's a good comedian, whether he's black, white, or green. You know, it, it you know, and a and a bad one the same way, right? Um, right. Yeah. So uh, you know, as far as rodeos go, if you can ride or you can't. Um Yeah, and see the music has a difference. You know, we'll be playing uh we got a, a black guy that rides a Tennessee walking horse with a tuxedo on. <laughs> and the the when he when he rides in the room, the the record by B.B. King, you made your move too soon. And, you know, different things. We played music to fit that event, whatever it may be. It may be a high-energy event. I mean, it's just a different record or different thing. Well, now, so tell we, me one thing, though. I got one more question. Yeah. We're going to run out of time here. You, you've got to serve barbecue. I mean, if you're not oh, serving... Oh, man, let me tell you something. We got <laughs> what we call the eight-second club at this rodeo. You can have a, 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 a VIP seat, but you can get up out of a VIP seat and go in this eight-second club and eat barbecue. And they tell me, and I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. I've been putting this rodeo on there for 14 years. I've never eaten any barbecue. But the people, even this morning, somebody told me, say, man, that's the best barbecue in the world. Now, when you and a black person tells you that this is the best barbecue in the world, 
hey, buddy, you better listen to that dude because he's flying <laughs> Now, 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 Cleo, before before we run out of time, uh, I want to point out one event that you don't see at a lot of these rodeos that are taking this oh. wrecking havoc on the rodeo industry. Why don't you tap on that a little bit? We call it the Pony Express Relay Race. You know, people don't realize. When they used to have, uh, take the mail around, that was the Pony Express. They would... You had, if you was on a Pony Express and I was, I would take the mail five miles and ride up and hand it to you and you take it the rest of the way and we did, we did it where it's going. But we have different teams in the arena. We have Pony Express relay race. There's six people on each team. What they do, they start out, they have a baton in their hands and they go all the way around the arena and then they hand that baton off to their partner. But it's two teams running at the same time. And this thing can get very, very exciting. And it's right there. And the thing that people like about it, there's going to be a winner just as soon as those two teams get to run. Because the winner, the one who gets there, he has to take his baton and put it in another barrel at the end. Whoever gets to go all around all those barrels, all six of the members on the team have to go around all four barrels, all the way around the ring. And the team, you do it in, in two. And teams of two. That's my, my team versus your team. We'll run. Then another two teams will run. But it is so exciting. And it's just, you know, any kind of race is going to be exciting. Right, right. And it's one thing about a race. There will be a winner. And you can see them at the end of it. You can see. When they come around, the last team comes around, and they're trying to get to the barrel to stick the, the baton in. You have to drop the baton in a smaller barrel. And that determines who the winner is, who gets the baton in them. And this thing has just taken over. Bull riding used to be the most exciting event in a rodeo. Oh, yeah. We say, we start the rodeo, in my rodeos, we used to start them off and end them. We got 10 bulls in front, 10 bulls at the back. Now, bull riding is a second. The last thing we do is have that relay race. And you don't have to worry about it. When, if that's the last event, everybody's going to be standing up and uh, enjoy themselves and holler the pool for the winner and everything. But they're going to be kind of energetic. So, well, I'm ready to go now. But they'll have <laughs> something to talk about. Well, so guys, that we, is, real quick here before we run out, of, we're running out of time. Tell us where it's uh, cowboysofcolorrodeo.com, but where is the rodeo? But this rodeo was at Mosquito Arena. It is the only arena in the world that was built strictly for rodeo. It has uh, sweets in it, just like the other rodeo. The rodeo, the dirt stays in there. This rodeo has, it goes on like six months out of a year. Right. But we can, all Cowboy of Color rodeos are in uh, inside. We always advertise in the air-conditioned comfort of certain arenas. But right now, our next big rodeo is at Fort Worth, Texas, at the Livestock Show and Rodeo. This will be the 119th year that they have had the Stock Show and Rodeo. This will be the sixth year that they've had Cowboys of Color there. And we sold it out every year. And that's Cowboys of Color Rodeo. If you want to find out all the details, and Russell, real quick, where can they listen to your show? Where can they find you? Oh, most definitely. You can check my show out on Waco Four State Trail Ride on the Blog Talk Radio Station. Make sure y'all look me up on Facebook, RS of Taylor Made, or you can go to Russell Smith of Taylor Made Stables Radio Show to keep you all up to the date with the rodeos with the Cowboys of Color. Like Cleo said, there's about 10 a year all over Texas and Oklahoma. And just make sure y'all come out and support the cause, man. It's an awesome way to let us entertain you while we educate you. Thanks awesome, again, Glenn. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And we'll do it again sometime. Sparkle and Boom is a new media marketing company. Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing World Wide Web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com. Up next, we have the Tack and Habits segment with a special guest, Coach Jen 
of the Horse Tip Daily Show, which has just recorded its 1,000th episode. That's a 1,000 people. That's a lot. No joke. A thousand, no, one, zero, zero, zero episodes. That's Coach Jen doing a lot of gabbing. And she does it very well. Horse Tip Daily is my favorite show on the Horse Radio Network. And occasionally Jen does come on and uh, do a little stint for us on Tag and Habit because she has been around for a long time. She's been riding a long time and she really puts her gear to good use. So she's got a very good perspective on what works and what doesn't work. And we're going to hear from her today on some half chaps she discovered. This Tack and Habit segment is brought to you by RidingWarehouse.com. Well, we have my wife joining us today for the Tack and Habit segment, and she has a product review for us that you've been using for, what, uh, almost two months now? Yep. So we should have a good indication of whether these are holding up or what's going on with it. So tell us what they are. I do, I do, I do. I am going to talk about the Huntley Equestrian Half Chaps by Huntley Equestrian, of course. And I picked these up at the Ada Trade Show this past August. And we had a lovely chat with Allison Hall, who runs the uh, Huntley Equestrian. And she suggested I give these a try. So I did. And they are a leather half chap. And they zip up the back. Typical half chap things. There's nothing unusual or different about the design there. They do have a really nice Spanish top. So it has the little curve at the top. So it looks taller than it really is, which I liked a lot. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go. I haven't had leather half chaps for a while. The ones I have now are synthetic. I got those just because they would be durable here in the humid weather. But they got stretched out and then they stayed that way. So the love died. We are, we are breaking up. So I got these. Honeymoon's over. Honeymoon is over. And uh, as I said, they... She's tried that with me a few times and I yeah. just wouldn't leave. <laughs> he keeps coming back. Yeah, he's I just he's like a bird. I just never left what the ha- house. What happened? Like you bird. stretched out and you didn't yeah, go back? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Some days I feel like that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Out now, it yeah. says here they're Brazilian leather. Are they soft and squishy or what? The scoop. What's interesting about the design on these is the inside surface, where it's on your saddle or your horse is doubled leather. It's a little bit stiff and, stiff and crinkly. But the outside surface that you see is a single layer of, and it's called split leather, I think they call it. So it's really thin and soft, like really expensive riding boots. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I thought that was very nice so that when you put them on, they have a nice, soft riding boot feel to them. They don't have that stovepipe, cardboardy, stiffy, crunchy thing that so many half chaps have. Mm. Um, so I really, really liked that part of it. Um, I like the look. They're really attractive. They're cut a little bit higher at the instep than some of them are. So that one of the problems I have with half chaps is it's hard to wear spurs with them because the half chaps cover up the spurs. It sucks. Uh, these are cut a little bit higher so that the spur re- where the spur rest is and where my spur is stick out comfortably below the half chap. Really, really like that. Brilliant. And then the little tab in the front where it would cover up the laces of your boot. Again, a lot of times that's it's made too big, it's sloppy, it's messy, and it just gives the boots, the half chaps kind of a, a sloppy look about them. And they cut them a little bit different in the pattern and they cut them a little bit slimmer. So they, they have a nice close fit at the boot top, and I really liked that. Um, they have a little bit of elastic right where the zipper is. So when I got these, they were super tight. And that just happens to be that my legs felt that way in the sizing. But they were really, really tight when I got them. Used them half a dozen times, and being leather, they softened and relaxed a little bit, and now they fit perfectly. Um, I think if there was a negative, not everybody likes to have a half chap that zips from the bottom to the top because then you have to reach, reach way down there to your heel to get the zipper to start. And that's always some, my problem. Yeah. Twisting and that, myself, contorting twisting, myself to get right. that to, to, to hook up. Yes. And since they zip in the back, you have to reach around the back, but I discovered something. <laughs> uh Oh, well, ha- when you zip up a half chap or a boot from the bottom to the top and you're zipping the right boot, do you put your hand around the outside of your leg or the inside of your leg to zip it? Outside. So you reach around the outside. Yes. Right. And that's what I always did, too. Wasn't working so good. 
I was very frustrated. So I tried it the other way and ta-da, do it the other way. So, you, so you, you, you turn your heel to the front and you, so you twist your, you expose the back of your calf by turning your toe outward. Yes. You put your foot in front of you, put uh-huh. your toe out uh-huh. as if you were a ballet dancer and right. ta-da. So that would be okay for the left foot <clears throat> for a right-handed person. Well, it, right it works both ways because I wear both half chaps. <laughs> and are they just as easy on both feet to put on? Yes. Huh. How okay. about the snaps and zipper and stuff? Because that's one of the things with half chaps that always goes south. Yeah. So far, the zipper has held up beautifully. It's not been sticky. Hasn't get doesn't get jammed on things. And when I, as I said, when I got them, they're really tight. When I got them, and we have another problem down here: sand. I mean, we yeah. just have a ton of sand. Um, zippers have held up beautifully. The snap at the top. Is a nice sturdy snap because if they put cheap snaps on, you'd snap it on and off half a dozen times and the snap doesn't stick anymore. That's mm. yeah, not been a problem. Yeah. The snap yeah. has been fine. Um, maybe the elastic that goes under your instep there, maybe that could be a half an inch shorter because it, it's not snug when I wear them. It, it's a little bit loose, but maybe that's because I hang them up by the elastic. <laughs> um, one of the things I did notice being all leather and not lined on that exterior part of your leg they're not lined on the inside so when you get all sweaty inside your black half chaps you now have black booted breeches mm. so you will have black stains on your breeches but hello they're inside boots nobody sees it okay okay yeah and so, uh these you've been keeping in the house if you live in the south it's always a good thing to do don't yeah. hang them in your tack room or they'll be yeah. green in three they days they would be green overnight yes uh, so they do live in the house being leather yes and you've been very good about it. Congratulations, by the way. I've been, I've been noticing. You haven't forgotten them outside I once never, yet. No, I never do. I take good care of my tack. These are 129 bucks, which doesn't seem unreasonable. It seems no. like a pretty good price, actually. I've, for, I've uh, had other $129 half chaps that were not as good. So out of a six-flake bale, what do you give them? I give these a 5.5 flakes. Oh, wow. Good. Wow. What are you reserving okay. the other half a flake for? I'm reserving the other half a flake for adjusting the elastic strap and having a zipper on the outside edge option. <laughs> <laughs> or, and getting brown ones. I would like brown ones. Very oh. good. Well, that's the Huntley Equestrian. You can go to HuntleyEquestrian.com or search for them at Huntley Equestrian on Facebook. $129. They are the half chaps by Huntley Equestrian. This Tack and Habit segment was brought to you by RidingWarehouse.com, your one-stop online tack shop. A huge selection of your favorite products and brands, but also including really unique and hard-to-find items like knee patch and full-seat riding jeans with cargo pockets, rigging converters, and a wide variety of bitless bridles. Listeners of the Horse Radio Network can use the coupon code RADIO for 15% off their order this month only, plus free shipping over $50 or $5 for second-day air, and a return policy like no other in the business and that is free returns for one year both ways. You can find it all at ridingwarehouse.com. Give them a chance and save 15%. Use the coupon code RADIO at checkout. Well, that was nice of Coach Jen to stop by, and also my wife, to stop by and uh, review those half chaps for us. Uh, uh, I know that uh, she likes them because she wears them every time she rides. (laughs) So she she definitely likes them. And, you know, she's one of those that's like you. If something's a little off, she doesn't doesn't do it, you know? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you, you you know, if a piece of clothing's a little off or it pinches someplace, you're just not doing it. Uh, you're you're not going to put up with it. It's just not going to happen. The princess and the, the pea. pea, exactly. Well, thank you, Helena. You can everybody. You can get our app. It's iOS or Android. You just go to the App Store, search for Horse Radio Network, and Stable Scoop is one of the many shows on there. But it makes it easy and simple to listen to the show. I was just using it the other day to listen to a show on our network, actually. And it works really well. It uh, makes streaming. You can download or stream to your phone. It's just a simple, easy way to do it. Or you can go to our website at StableScoop.com, where you can find Helena at... 
Helena at sparkleandboom.com. Sparkleandboom.com. And as always, we love your feedback. You can follow us on Facebook under Stable Scoop or at Twitter at Horse Radio or send us an email, Helena at horseradionetwork.com or Glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. And of course, we would like to thank our sponsors, easysignsonline.com, Sparkle and Boom, and Riding Warehouse. We're going to have a special episode coming up for you, like we do every year, our holiday gift buying guide. But this time, Bree from Riding Warehouse is going to be joining us, and that'll be happening next week. We're going to get you started off with the holidays and some thoughts. We're doing it a little bit early this time because Thanksgiving kind of falls late, and you don't want to wait till after Thanksgiving to get all your holiday shopping started. Plus, if you have custom stuff that needs done, like nameplates and all of that, you're going to want to get you're going to want to get those orders in in the beginning of November to guarantee that you get them. So we're going to get you started on your holiday shopping here next week on the Stable Scoop Show. See you, Lena. See you, Glenn. We'll be back next week, as he said. But until then, happy scooping. <laughs>